0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com.
1: Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft CoPilot. That feeling when CoPilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When CoPilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when CoPilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI Hey what's up everybody welcome to a fresh episode of the podcast today I'm talking to Michael from Tontuga Effects, and we get off in the weeds don't worry we do eventually talk about guitar stuff but we got to get through some conspiracy theories first it's just the way things go sometimes it was a great chat Michael's a great conversationalist and we recorded about 40 minutes of additional content over at patreon yeah So if you like these kind of conversations, if you enjoy these chats over on Patreon for just 5 bucks a month, you can help support the show and get additional content every week delivered to your ears. Kind of like this, right in your podcast player. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful technology. So yeah, you can check that out if that's a thing you like to do. It helps keep food on the table and keep the lights on and keep the content flowing. And that's what it's all about. So if you dig that, it's over at patreon.com slash tonemob. You can check it out and see if it works for you. All right, without further ado, let's get right into this episode. Boom. (laughs) back to another episode of the tone mob podcast the show about guitar tone and the people behind it i'm your host blake wyland and with me today i have michael varilla of tone Tuga effects what's happening man
0: hey, uh not too much blake thanks for having me really appreciate you um you know squeezing me into your schedule
1: oh yes well, i'm glad we were able to do it sorry i had to bump you back a couple hours i was i was on an unexpected phone call so it but it was good you know i was uh
0: I was here at um at eleven AM and I was like, I haven't gotten the email from this guy yet. I wonder if you know, are we off for today? And then I realized that you are in Portland, right? Yes. So it's three hours behind you. Ah, I
1: gotcha. I gotcha. Sorry about that. <laughs> I probably should have no no, it's my fault. Clarified that. But um yeah, well, thanks for coming on the show and hanging out. This will be a good time. I know we've we've messaged back and forth quite a bit and uh, I think I think this is gonna go well. It's a, our mutual friend, uh, Devin Whitaker for hooking us up. That guy is amazing.
0: Yeah. I, I loved his, his podcast with you. It was fun. Um, and you know, I've been listening to your podcast for a while now and Devon is the first guy who's been on there who I personally know. And so I said, Hey man, it seemed like a lot of fun. You know, I, how do you get on? And he said, Oh, you just just ask, <laughs> So you know, it never occurred to me <laughs> to just say, Hey, you know, I, I like your stuff. If, if you have a free minute,
1: hit me up. I mean, that's, yeah, that's really, it's, that's, it's as simple as that. You know, I'm, I, I, I tried to get, you know, like a lot of different people on and, you know, 99% of the time, you know, if I get like a, a artist that I really like or something, it almost never goes through their management, which is funny because that's what their management is supposed to do. But it's all almost always just me like messaging them and being like, "Hey, I do this thing. Do you want to do this thing?" or like, "Yes" or "No" or they don't respond. Well, usually it's, it's not no. I've never gotten a no. It's either just like a no response. Cuz and I don't take that like offensively because they get like a million messages. They can't be, you know, probably from a lot of crazy yeah, exactly. people. You know, you can not I, I don't think that yeah, I don't think you
0: should take it personally because you know, you'd be amazed who manages the Instagram accounts for some of these other companies, for example. Um, it's a lot of wives, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, friends that you think you're talking to and it's like, Oh no, by the way, this is, you know, his wife, you know, I do all the Instagram for him, um, you know, or the reverse, you know, or it's just like an intern. Um, and sometimes if you message, um, keely you know it'll be robert just chilling having a cup of coffee and he's the one who actually
1: answers messages sometimes <laughs> yeah exactly or you know sometimes it might be me not not a keely yeah. <laughs> but, but on some of these other companies instagrams it might very well be me that you're talking to it is possible but uh that's a that's a, a part of what i what i do in the day-to-day i have a handful of guys that i help out with that stuff because I'm gonna start time. every
0: new I'm gonna start every new Instagram conversation with Blake question
1: mark <laughs> and just see what happens. And they'll be like, who are you talking? What are you talking about? <laughs> this is Carl at Electro Foods. Why are you <laughs> who's Blake? <laughs> <laughs> so why don't we get into your story? I don't know anything about it other than you make cool pedals and you're a cool dude. But how did you get started in, <laughs> in playing guitars and making pedals and doing all the everything?
0: Yeah, sure. I, I probably have a pretty similar start to a lot of guys. Um, when I got into the pedal scene, this was back in early two thousands. Um, you know, I just knew that I wanted a blues breaker. That was that was what everybody had, and a, I didn't know what a blues breaker was. So I got the Boss BD two, and I was like, "This is blue. It's obviously blues driver. It's the same, basically, the same thing." It has to be. Um, and I had that. Yeah, exactly. I had that for years. Um, and I remember when I went to high school, uh, it died. And I think I was like a sophomore or a junior in high school, and it died. Um, and as a summer job, I was working in a machine shop. And um, you know, the company I work for now makes makes industrial controls. And uh, you know, I asked the guys in the shop. I said, "Hey, can you guys you know open this up and show me what to do? Can you save it? You know, I don't want to spend another whatever sixty bucks to get another one." Uh, you know, they opened it up and there was nothing inside. It, it's just a handful of components. Um, and I was just amazed that, you know, it wasn't as magical as I thought it was. Um, you know, you imagine you're gonna open it up and it's just gonna explode with, with pieces and there's a bunch of huge science going into it. And, um, you know, they showed me how to fix it and I got it going and from there, yeah, you know, it was kind of like, I got addicted to it. Um, I had to buy non-functioning pedals off eBay um, or Craigslist, you know, people will advertise them as, "Hey, this doesn't work anymore. Or this is dead," you know. So it's five bucks or, or ten bucks, and I would buy them and see if I could figure out how to fix them. You know, replace a pot, replace a switch, um, and I would turn them around and sell them back on eBay um, or on Craigslist, and that was how I paid for my textbooks during college.
1: Oh, there you go, nice. And
0: uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty pretty solid turnarounds. Uh, you know, it's not. Buku money, um, but you know it was enough. It was definitely supplementing my my job. Um, so you know I I did that for a long time, and uh, you know the internet was already huge by then. And nowadays you can learn anything on the internet, uh, and so I use it as a resource to figure out, hey, what does a tube screamer sch- uh, schematic look like? You know what? Okay, what are they doing with this? Oh, how is that different from you know my old bluesbreaker? What's what's going on different in there? And you know, open them up, see what you could change and and see how you can make them different and unique. And, um, you know, I I made a few designs, uh, made some small custom stuff just for myself. And um, it wasn't until, let's see, Reverb started in like, what, 2013, 2014?
1: Somewhere in that bubble. Yeah. Like they started right around the same time I did, I feel like, maybe just a little bit before. Oh, really? Yeah. Well... So when that
0: opened up, it was, that was a game changer for me because now I had access to stuff I'd never heard about before. Um, it, it used to be you'd go to a show and you look at somebody's pedal board and you say, oh, you know, I know what all those pedals are. Um, you know, they're all boss pedals or they're all electroharmonics pedals. Um, and you get really interested in, okay, let's see, what what did they do differently? than the other people and you kind of you know learn tips and tricks from other builders without them really teaching you you're just kind of seeing what they were thinking about when they were doing it um and obviously what they tried and what worked you know ended up being kind of like a staple in their version of whatever circuit they ended up doing so i made uh, a handful of fuzzes and a handful of um you know drives and, and distortions and put them all in reverb and the ones that sold the quickest, I made five more of each of those. And I said, okay, are, are these the ones that are gonna be popular? And I put them on there. And when they all sold, um, I cut out the ones that didn't sell as well. And I said, okay, now let me make 10 of these. Um, and let's see if these still maintain some some level of um, you know interest in the market. And this is probably over the course of two or three years. Um, and after these couple designs that I had made had gotten popular enough to you know have people actually requesting them from me um I said okay you know it's time to let's take the leap and let's try to make this a real brand and uh in 2018 um I started you know stockpiling inventory and you know taking all the money that I had saved up from selling pedals and and decided to you know give it a real shot uh so 2019 was really the first full-blown year and um it worked out fantastically Launched four different models. Um, got three new ones that are going to hopefully come out this year. Maybe spread those across the next two years. So it's uh, it's looking pretty good.
1: Do you remember what those first ones that you were, you know, like which ones in the beginning when you were on Reverb did not sell and which ones did?
0: Uh, my first main experiments, because this was a, a pretty easy one to design arounds. There's so much documentation on this pedal. Um, I made like 14 different versions of the Big Muff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, different artwork on each one. Um, Hey, let me make one that sounds kind of like this, or let me make one that sounds, you know, kind of Jack white ish. Let me make one that sounds, uh, David Gilmore ish. And every single time I made one and I advertised it as being a David Gilmore sound, it, it would just sell instantly online. Um, and I tried to make the artwork, interesting i don't know if you're familiar with the, the one we make the prism mm-hmm. um but it was one of those first models that i made that it it sold really well um but the other ones you know some i tried to make sound like absolute garbage because there was a time and i'm sure you remember this when the popular fuzzes were the ones that sounded like putting a fistful of glass in the garbage disposal you know i like still the, like the disgusting too, so. fuzz yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, it is it's still very popular uh you know and so i went through a phase where i said okay i'm gonna try to make just these disgusting fuzzes um but you know they never really performed as well as as i'd hoped they would um so the ones i stuck to were the ones that just you know they they have a natural calling everyone loves the pink floyd town
1: it's true it's true everyone loves gilmore very, very few so, people. I, I have set, ran into a couple people that weren't fans of his sound, but it's very rare. I think he has a pretty good I want to meet those people. people. I don't. I don't want to meet those people. <laughs> those barely human. I don't know. <laughs> no, they're fine. It's all subjective at the end of the day. So It is. You know,
0: it's, it's so different across the board. You know, if you listen to um, some of the new bands that I'm into are like uh, Royal Blood. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the lead guitarist or bassist of that band uses ridiculous amounts of just distortion and fuzz and octaves to make it sound like a guitar for the longest time i didn't even know that he was playing a bass right um and you know if you make it work for you there's there's somebody out there who will go for that sounds guaranteed
1: has he be, like been more public about his pedal and gear selection because I, I when i first heard of that band and first kind of took some interest in them he was very guarded with his tonal secrets it had you do you know have we figured it out yet has he opened up is there a rig rundown what's going on over there do you know
0: there's well i don't know him but i'd love to if you do give me you know, give me his number um but I think i saw on reddit if you're on the the guitar pedal subreddit these guys are Fanatics about any artist. It doesn't matter who it is. Uh, and somebody went to a show, and somebody somehow got on stage and snapped a couple pics of a board. Um, and then I believe, and my timeline might be wrong here, but I believe that that turned into the um, the Andertons' TV sounds like
1: um, oh, kind of okay. episode.
0: And I think I believe that they used a lot. I think that happened after I saw this post. Um and they use a lot of the same pedals that he had on his board to make that sounds. Um, so I I don't want to credit Reddit with everything, but you know those guys if they want something bad enough they're going to get it.
1: It's true they're they're monsters over there. They're crazy. <laughs> I don't spend a lot of time on on Reddit because they're a little too crazy for me. But sometimes you got to be you
0: got to be careful.
1: You got to yeah. be careful.
0: I I go incognito all the time over there. Just it it's a really weird environment but i i get it if you are advertising anything they'll they will crucify you uh but if you're sharing something cool that you made you know they'll carry you around on you know on a pedestal they'll love you forever like they love um they love the guys from old blood noise there um they love a few brands uh, on there but there's been a few times that a few demoers have gone on there, and they've said, "Hey, you know, check out my channel, blah blah blah." And they're like, "Get get out of here! We never want to see you in here
1: again." And they'll get banned. Yeah, that, uh, that's what I don't understand. It's like you've made it, like, <laughs> like, like it's okay to share certain things, but it's like you here's some free content, and they're like, "No, no, <laughs> I want free content." <laughs> it's too corporate for me. I don't get it. I I mean, I did, I don't understand that really. I understand that like. Cause it, it's happened in the tone mob Facebook group a handful of times, not really so much anymore where it's like, okay, buddy, we get it. We know you have a YouTube channel. <laughs> like, but usually all it takes is like just a message and be like, Hey man, chill. We, we got it. We know. Yeah, bring it down and we, we, have fun here. Yeah. Well, like it's not, you know, this is not, this is this is a show around the there. This is a group around the podcast. It's not a group around your YouTube channel. <laughs> you know what I mean. So,
0: do, do you still get a lot of uh, engagement on Facebook?
1: Oh yeah, a ton. Not That's not so on odd th- to me. Not on the page. Not not on okay. Not on, I get almost nowhere with the with the page. that I, I just I just post things there so that if people stumble across they don't see a post from three years ago they know that like it's still mm-hmm. an active entity because that always does look weird you'll stumble across a, a, a page for a business or a, a you know media outlet or whatever and because Facebook is Facebook, you know, they'll they'll like forget about it and like oh they haven't posted in three months are they still around and I don't want that vibe. so I, I do post there about once a week just with like episode announcements and things but I'm very active in the the tone mob Facebook group and that group is very very active with a lot of people. So see it's very regional
0: for me. I get almost no American engagement on Facebook. It's pretty much exclusively South American and uh, Africa are the, Africa. the people that talk to me on yeah, it's very odd. Maybe I'm gonna remember specifically what country it is, but I've I've sold a handful of pedals to one country in in Africa and I can't remember which one it is. Um and apparently they've got a pretty good metal scene there. And so that's kind of how that, I, I think it's it's Argentina in South America is the big one for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll, I'll have to let you know which, which one it is in Africa, but almost no American engagement. It's the weirdest thing. Versus Instagram is pretty much exclusively American.
1: My, my Instagram is all over the place. It's weird. It's mostly mostly America. I think the biggest city is L.A., But that's just because it's a huge city, I think. Yeah, it's kind of cheating. They're throwing a curve. Yeah, it's, yeah, they're, they're messing it up a little bit. But there's, there's definitely a lot of, I definitely have a lot of South American uh, people who follow me on Instagram too. But the US primarily is the biggest. I know for the podcast, it's about 70%, you, a little more than 70% US based. And then followed by, you know, it's a huge, it's a huge market. So. The UK is is big also
0: in Japan. I'd say those are probably my top three.
1: I have almost no listeners in Japan, but there are a few. But I have to imagine that's a, because I a don't speak language Japanese. Barrier. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm 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 yeah. honestly very surprised at how many uh you know once you once you get out of the US and the you once you basically get out of US UK Canada and Australia those are my biggest, which makes sense. That's all primarily English speaking countries. So. For a podcast, that kind of kind of makes sense. But there are definitely a lot of European listeners, probably because they are smart and can speak more than one language, unlike myself.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. I'm horribly ignorant about
1: <laughs> anything other than English. I can barely speak English sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I would suggest if you want to just have, you know, if you want to make your Facebook experience a little more enjoyable getting involved in some of the gear groups on Facebook, like my Facebook feed is so much better than most people's. I almost never like engage. Or if, if I see a politician, I, I'm scrolling by, like, I'm not going to look at that. <laughs> Do not show me that <laughs> because you know how it works. It's, it's totally based on what you engage with. So I very intentionally engage with things that I want it to show me more of. And then it shows me more of those things. So that's, that's kind of nice. Um, it's, I I think a lot of people, a lot of people's Facebook feeds get clogged with things that make them mad because they spend time looking at things that make them mad. (laughs) They they spend time getting angry about things.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there's gotta be a metric for the amount of time you spent looking at an ad, but didn't engage with it.
1: It does. Just because it it, does
0: the same thing for a
1: post for a post too.
0: Like, and I'm just waiting for, you know, one day there's going to be, I'm going to be in an FBI meeting and they're going to slam the folder down in front of me and say, you spent 20 minutes looking at these ads in total across this amount of time. And I'm like, I don't, you know, don't what does this mean?
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you envy of states. This is, this is kind of a funny topic to bring up, but it was something I talked about with Brian Wampler on Chasing Tone here, which is another podcast. There's so many hours of me flapping my gums on the internet. This is the frightening. <laughs> right now. They're gonna do like voice recognition software and do a deep fake one of these days. Like you said, all these horribly racist <laughs> things. Like no, I didn't. I didn't say that. What? I don't. It's coming, man. It's oh, coming. Man. Um, but like we were talking about, we didn't know. Like with Google and Facebook and all of these things. Well, primarily Google and Facebook, but there's others too. They know everything about us. Like there's there's nothing that they don't know at this point, which is kind of creepy. Um, but we didn't know that going into it you know they write these terms of service that they can that part of the terms of service is that they can change the terms of service whenever they want to and so even yeah unilaterally yeah. yeah even though you agreed to one thing you technically agreed to let them do whatever they want and we didn't know that when we signed up for it but now that information's out there so I feel like it's an important thing to like tell our kids when they start becoming of age and engaging with the internet like listen this is This is what they're doing. Like, it's too late for you and I. (laughs) The genie's out of the bar. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So so I'm just like, I don't know. I feel like it's a a weird thing to talk about on a guitar podcast, but it's been on my mind a lot. It's really
0: not um, because I I see memes on Instagram all the time with, hey, anytime I talk about anything, you know, I know Google's around the corner listening to me, and they're going to give me ads for that thing. Um, So that's already been proven, Mm -hmm. you know? Definitely. It's the only thing that I'm concerned about is they're collecting info on when I use, you know, like my bank or something. Um, You know, they can have my YouTube history. I don't really even care. They, They can have my Reddit history. I don't care about that either. But when they start collecting the personal info, you know, things that directly impact with, you know, my ability to feed my family, that's the stuff that freaks me out. And I don't want to get all conspiracy theory, but I do I do love a good conspiracy theory. I do, too. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I don't know if you listen to a Joe Rogan's podcast, but every time he gets on one of these rants, I'm always thinking, man, this guy's, this, this giant chimpanzee's got it figured out. Right.
1: I do get a kick out of some of those episodes. I don't, I, I don't listen <laughs> to it all the time, but, but once in a while, I got to throw on and hear, and hear him get crazy. You know, you can't buy into it all the time, but just I, I have exercised a little bit of caution, I guess.
0: I mean, they, they just know the amount of hours I've spent looking at guitars that I'm never going to buy on, on
1: Sweetwater. You know, they, they, so <laughs> they definitely enjoy the that data. <laughs> you must really like Les Paul's. You <laughs> spent a lot of time looking at Les Paul's. Yes, I have. You caught me. You yeah. caught me. Yeah, that's the thing. And I'm not really that concerned about it, but I think it's it's something to be. A, I'm not concerned about it for me. Uh, but I think it is something to be aware of, and that's not really a conspiracy theory. It is that's just a fact. That's just what's that's going true. on. You that's know? true. And
0: I can tell you one more weird thing. Tell me uh, something weird. You know, I, I like weird. I have. <laughs> uh, it's weird to not share your life on the internet. So I've I've got a two and a half year old, and when when um, you know my wife gave birth, everyone at my office where I work. Was like, what's up with this secret baby? I haven't seen any pictures of your baby on Facebook, and it's like, well, you know, maybe I don't want to do that. Is that really so weird that I don't want to share all that? You know, every detail of my life I have to broadcast into the internet ether.
1: I don't think so that's weird just, at all.
0: I, it's not. It's not. But everybody who I work with thought that it was the oddest thing, and I was, you know, keeping the monkey tail baby hidden from the world because I didn't want to share it on the internet.
1: I I don't post my kids. I don't post my kid's face. And that's not because I'm I'm like some famous person. You're a little Michael I'm Jacksony. No, yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not <laughs> doing that. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, I don't do it. I don't do it for that reason. It's like I know some people, some bigger artists who don't post their kids' face because they don't want their kid to be harassed, because it does happen. But it's that's not the reason I do it. The reason I do it is like when they're old enough to start using the internet in the way that we do. I just I, it goes back to that I want them to know. Like I want them to know that if you're going to post a selfie with this one special filter that everyone's using, they didn't just make that filter that how how old, you know, the aging filter thing that went around a while ago. They didn't just do that oh, for fun. Man. I do remember that they did that to collect your facial recognition data. That's we're trying to estimate what you're going to look like in future pictures. And yeah, I did it. It was fun. Like I, I did too. Now it's out there. (laughs) But like they did, I just want them to know. Like they're doing that to collect that information, so they can literally see you wherever you go at some point. Why else would they want that information? I don't think that's conspiracy theory. I think that's it was free. And when you something is free you know, you are the product. That's tend to tend to be how I how, tends to be how I think of it. Anyway,
0: I would say that's generally true, but you know, they didn't have, Hey, what are you going to look like in five years? What are you going to look like in 10, 15, 20 years? They just said, what are you going to look like at 60 or 70? Yes. You know, if they were collecting, let's, let's see what you're going to look like across all these age spectrums, then clearly they're collecting that for something.
1: Well, I think but, they just you know, wanted to know what you looked like now. They were just trying to get people to send them their faces. Okay, you know, I didn't, think about that. <laughs> I didn't think about that at all. But you know, it's tied to your
0: phone, which is tied to your name, which is oh yeah, it's we're done for.
1: We're done for. There is no privacy. If you think you have privacy, that's what I've seen people like <laughs> like not post certain things. I can't remember what it was. Oh yeah, it was a uh, it was about Alexa. I posted something about Alexa, and oh, I, I know what it was. I was like, oh yeah, you can get the podcast on Alexa now, and. Because I didn't even know you could do that until recently. Somehow, somehow they found it. But, and someone's like, I'm not going to put one of those devices in my house to have it listen to me all the time. And I commented as he typed into his iPhone on Facebook. So, yes.
0: <laughs> you don't have to worry about Alexa if you're carrying around your smartphone all day mm-hmm. long.
1: I mean, to be fair, I feel the same. I'm like, I just don't want one extra listening device. I know this phone that's sitting right by me is hearing everything as we speak, but I don't need an additional one. (laughs) That's, I guess, my my theory. It's probably dumb. It's It's actually kind of unavoidable too. It is. If you try to buy anything now, try to buy anything electronic nowadays that
0: doesn't have a microphone or a a modem in it or or anything like that that's going to communicate or collect information,
1: it's just not possible. No. Uh, where, where are we going with this? We're I, don't get know, in... no,
0: no. I don't know. I don't know. We're going to conspiracy
1: theories. <laughs> <laughs> when are we going to get. Wait, are you trying to tell me that your guitar pedals have microphones in them and you're sending oh, everything oh, to oh, Zuckerberg? You found me out. You uh, found me out. For crying out loud. The Zuck wants the info. Get Big Zucks. So he wants to know.
0: <laughs> he wants uh, to
1: know what you're doing. <laughs> I don't think all of this is necessarily a bad thing, I should say at the end of the day. I don't think that it's like, I don't think it's a nefarious plan to undermine anyone. I think it's literally just like, I mean, in a lot of ways, our lives have gotten easier and more, you know, accessible and just more connected because of all of it. And I I don't really think that it's in Amazon or Facebook or Google's interest to start doing nefarious things because people will start rejecting it. If it came out that, that there was something really, really bad going on, like at a dangerous level to the American public, people would stop using it, I think. I think they would. I think that almost happened with Facebook. You know,
0: after they said, oh yeah, we're, we're definitely collecting your info. When you delete all your stuff, we still have it. And, um, you know, if you don't want to use us, good luck. Every, every account that you have is somehow tied to Facebook or some other company we own. And the American people were like, well, we're gonna, I, I guess, just keep using Facebook then. <laughs> you know? Like the pitchforks came down very slowly.
1: Yeah, it. it, I think that was that was silly in my in my personal experience er, or opinion because I already knew that. Like by that time, you know what I mean. We the information was available at that point. Like if you're getting ads, and it's an ad for a guitar that you just looked at, I mean, duh.
0: You know what I mean.
1: So I, I was just surprised that people hadn't caught on to that yet. So I think people were mad because they didn't know. The general public didn't know. I don't know why they didn't know, but they didn't. So, I don't
0: know. It probably has less to do, to be honest, it has less to do with collecting Michael Varela's info because that's that's no good to anyone. Unless I go to run for president and you say, hey, you Google this very specific and odd thing. And I'm like, oh, there's an explanation for that. Then maybe the big folder comes out. But realistically, it's just so they can market you more easily. You know, that, the whole reason Instagram has business accounts, which I don't know if you have, if you have a business account
1: or a personal account. I have a media a, account, which is, or content creator, which is basically the same as a business account as far as yes, so, what it shows you.
0: So if if there's two ways you can go on Instagram, there's the personal way or the business way. You know, they have to figure out okay which of these posts can I put an ad next to and have the higher percentage of viewership on that ad? Mm -hmm. And they say, well, obviously the people that are business accounts are trying to sell something. So they are more likely to pay. Um, And therefore they are more likely to have advertisements in them already. So I'm going to put ads next to them. It makes it less intrusive to have two ads in a row than to have just one ad, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So on the other hand, if you have a personal account, you can still do some kind of promotion with, with Instagram. And then as soon as you do that, I think you get put into the same bucket with the business accounts There they say, Hey, this account is willing to pay. So now they go into the account with the business accounts. So uh, on one hand, I think if you want your posts and whatever to get seen more, being a personal account is a better way to go. But as soon as you kick that door open and say, Hey, I'm willing to pay to get, you know, more viewership on my stuff, that's when you start to have the trouble that a lot of people are having, where if you go back, um, geez, five months ago, you could post anything on Instagram and it was getting hundreds and thousands of, of likes and views. And now today it's it's a fraction of that. And it's because they're, they're they're doing something weird with the algorithm to make it so that you are at a disadvantage and you should be more likely to pay for ads to you know, to get your content seen type of thing.
1: Yeah, I wonder about that. I, I, I've, I've been in several different schools of thought with what they're doing and how they're doing it because Instagram is a big part of what I do. Uh, You know, like I said earlier, I run a couple different accounts and then obviously I have my own, which is what spawned this podcast. So it's pretty important to me to try to stay on top of it. And it, to me, it seems to go in waves. Like there'll be a, there'll be a time when all the accounts I'm running, that are just going awesome everything's going great on them every metric is up and doing fantastic and I, and as soon as i start thinking that something changes on the back end <laughs> and and it, and it all goes to like just just terrible and just so abysmal. yeah but i have noticed that like they have to keep certain level of organic there I don't think they're ever going to be able to do with Instagram because of how it's laid out and what they do with it I don't think they're ever going to be able to go full Facebook Um, when they first went away from the what is it called the uh, chronological feed when they first ditched that uh, people really didn't like it and they still don't really no. like it so they, they didn't like it so much that their engagement started dropping off and they started losing people. So they had to go back to a semi-chronological feed. So now, yep. you know, newer posts are favored in the in the uh, yep. in your feed. They had and, to go. You back. know what I've noticed?
0: I've noticed that if you and now we're telling this Instagram right now, they're going to be like, oh, we got to change this right now because this one <laughs> guitar <laughs> podcast said they figured it out. They cracked the code. Uh, you can scroll past like the first 10 or 12 posts. And then it goes to ones that have, you know, that were from two minutes ago or three minutes ago, but you have to go past all the ones that are from April and from September.
1: Uh, and then it goes get Get anything that old, I think like the most I'll see is like a three day old post.
0: See, I've seen some really old ones. It's the weirdest thing because someone will like a post of mine that's from last year and i'm wondering are they scrolling through my whole feed or did they just get prompted with this in in the mismatch of of old and new posts
1: it also could have something to do with the hashtags you're using Somebody like just searches one of the hashtags you used and That's true. You know, and scrolling That's through and yeah cuz like in my actual feed i don't i don't get anything anything terribly old it's all fairly fairly recent posts for me but that could be because i'm on it all the time that could, that could have something to do with it.
0: You want to know the weird thing that happened to me when, when I came out with a delay pedal, uh, the Delphine? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did not know because I don't actively seek out this info on the internet. I was told by a thousand people that apparently Delphine is some Twitch or cam girl who became famous for selling bottles of her own bathwater. And I was like, "Well, oh. crap! Well, crap! Oh, no. I just I just dedicate all of this marketing time and all this development time to this particular name, and when you search Delphine Delay, you get you know my Delay pedal. But if you just search Delphine, there's a very high chance you're going to get this chick and her bathwater for oh, sale.
1: Wow, <laughs> man, that is that is I really have to deal with that. That is information oh. that I wish I didn't know. I wish I didn't know that people were doing that." <laughs> You're,
0: you are welcome, sir. But oh, I, it was man. actually uh, Devon did a did a demo of the delay for me, and the first comment was like, "Oh, does it come with bathwater?" And I was like, "What's this guy talking
1: about?" And I started googling, and I was like, oh, crap! Like, oh, uh, what do I do? <laughs>
0: like, now <laughs> recall I'll, everything. It's all over."
1: I mean, I'd be tempted. I'd be tempted, but I understand why you <laughs> wouldn't. That is that is It's a good name. I was like, "Oh, that's a cool name." Oh man,
0: yeah, you know, it's um, Delphine is from the Latin word for dolphin. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and the artwork on the pedal is, is pretty neat. I had it done by a local um, street artist in Charlotte, and uh, she made it look kind of like a pod of dolphins in a wave. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was probably one of the coolest things that I've had a chance to do is work with you know this person who's famous for, not really famous, you know they're, they're known around Charlotte for their, I don't want to say tagging. Tagging is not the right word for what, what this uh, girl does. Um, it's, it's art, but nobody's bothered by, it. you know, it's not like someone's spray painting this out of a box car. She does murals and people just leave them there because they're so good. You know, that's cool. And, uh, it was hard to contact her because, you know, she's got her, you know, her face is all covered and everything because she's technically not doing
1: something Legal that's allowed. Right? You know,
0: <laughs> and so, uh, they actually painted a huge mural next to the office that I work at. Um, and I just went over there one day and I was like, are you the person that does this stuff? Don't run away. I swear. I'm just, I'm interested. Will you do something for me? <laughs>
1: <laughs> can you say like what they go by?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can. It's, um, owl.charlotte. Uh, cool. it's O W L I think. And she does some incredible stuff. Um, and I'm, I'm glad she's finally getting, you know, more recognized. She's had some, some legit art gallery installments i guess you'd call them um but she's part of a small there's a small artist group that just does street art in charlotte Mm -hmm. and they get commissioned to do you know like electrical boxes and stuff i'm sure you have all this kind of stuff in portland um but you know they get they get really cool locations that they can do these giant pieces
1: at that's that's cool i don't you know i'm sure we have it here but i don't see as much of that kind of stuff as you would think if that makes any sense. You would think Portland's like super. I would would think it's super. Huge. In- yeah. And, I, and maybe, you know, someone's going to write in and be like, you're an idiot. Like open your eyes. And that could be, because <laughs> I don't, I don't go around looking for it. So there's a chance that I'm just not seeing some very obvious things, but I'm, I'm pretty removed from that scene, but I do think it's pretty cool. So for whatever, I don't, I don't know, know how you
0: think. can be removed from that scene in, in Portland, because that's Portland is the only place that whenever there's a picture posted on the internet and it's of like, a guy dressed in full steampunk garb, pulling his kids behind him in a wagon. It's like, oh, <laughs> that's obviously Portland, you
1: know. <laughs> well, of course it is. So somebody, uh, so I can't remember who it was. My first Nam, they were, they were like, where are you? Where are you from? I'm like, Portland. And They're like, you're from Portland like <laughs> you're too normal what's going yeah, on that's exactly what i they said you're like what well, you're just a dude i'm like most of the people in <laughs> portland are just dudes and dudettes and like that's like the weird stuff is is common but like 90 of the population is just a,
0: just regular people you know unique things get more popular on the internet than you know i'm not going to say ununique because you're not ununique like you're very special to me oh well thank uh, you thank but, you so much <laughs> but you know it's the you only see weird stuff on and i don't want to say weird because steampunk stuff is pretty cool but you know it's different from the majority stuff that gets posted on the internet
1: this is true this is very true well let's kind of segue back into guitars maybe for a minute but yeah this sorry i told you i would
0: derail this thing like like I, you've never
1: seen oh no actually this is pretty normal this is uh <laughs> okay. this is about right. You've listened to this show, you understand. We just had a really super duper on topic one here. Actually, would have been well, it would have been a few weeks as people listen to go to this with uh, Jason Rogers uh, from uh, JMR Guitars. We and he educated us on multiscale and what that uh. actually is. That was like the most on-topic one I've had since uh, probably since Richard Hoover from San Jose <laughs> came on. So that was a, which has been a while. So yeah, I think people know what they're getting into here. But <laughs> guitar stuff. Tell me about your like musical stuff. Like you talked about how you got into making pedals, but what about music in general?
0: Oh man, uh, you know, whenever I listen to your podcast or, or really anyone else's, one of the questions everybody always gets asked is. How did you get interested in music, or when did you start playing guitar? And um, I actually started thinking about it when you had Alec on here from um, from Mask Audio, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Oh man, I got to start thinking about when it actually happened." And I think I pinpointed exactly when I got interested in music when I was. Let's see, it was 1999 because I had to Google what year it came out. And the Matrix came out. Yes, and I was I was in fifth grade. And uh, so obviously I didn't get to see it in the theaters. And one of my friends was having a birthday party and you know, they did the whole, oh, you know, we're gonna watch a movie. And the movie that we were gonna watch was The Matrix on VHS. And I was like, yes, this is all I've ever wanted. Um, and so we watch it. And if you watch it the whole way through, the end credits, and keep in mind, I'm, I'm like nine or 10 at the time. The end credits is Wake Up by Rage Against the Machine.
1: Oh, and yeah, my yeah.
0: brain, my mind exploded, and I, I never heard anything like that before in my entire life. And I vividly remember that Christmas. The only thing I wanted for Christmas was that soundtrack, The Matrix soundtrack, mm-hmm. and uh, the first. Let's see, on that soundtrack, there's "Rock Is Dead" by Marilyn Manson. There's um, "Do Haas" by Ramstein, and it just opens. It opens my you know middle school eyes to. Wow, there's some really incredible stuff that I've never heard of. That's not mainstream pop that I've only heard on the radio. Um, And I think that was the time that I really started to get interested in in music. And you know, it started off with let's see, it was it was 2000, so I was into like Disturbed, and I was into Corn. Um, You know, kind of your your preteen angsty stuff. That's what I that's what I was into.
1: (laughs) And. Oh no! That's, I, love I was from say you're just, or, or nothing. You know, I, you're just like sure. flooding me with nostalgia right now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I picked up a guitar for the first
0: time when I was like 15, um, and I remember it was. I still have it actually. Um, Is a a BC Rich Warlock, and I bought it for 89 bucks off one of my um, one of my friends on the the team I was on, um, and. It was. It sounds like garbage. I, I love it because it looks really <laughs> cool, but it is not a is not a quality instrument at all. Uh, I got more enjoyment out of repainting it than I ever did out of playing it.
1: Uh, so that was really where.
0: Uh, I'll send you a picture. It's um I did one of the hydro, uh, dip, you know the oh. swirly like the gem yeah. paint, mm-hmm. and um that's actually the same way that I print my pedals, um. And I did it that way. Well, that was kind of how I experimented with it. Was I said, okay, hey, let me see how I can float this paint on the surface of the water because you can't just put paint on the surface of the water. It needs to um, there needs to be a higher surface tension of the water for the paint to float correctly. Okay, you know, so you can kind of get into okay, uh, I have to add the internet says you add boric acid um, because it's kind of like a laundry detergent additive, and it makes the the surface tension higher. So you can float. Uh, you know, if you try to float nail polish, which is what I tried to do on just regular water. It sinks to the bottom. Um, So, you know, you raise the surface tension and then you try to dip something in it and it still doesn't stick. And you're wondering why? Well, the temperature of the water has to be very particular also. I find between 80 and 85 degrees um, is the best temperature to get the ink to adhere to the enclosures or to guitars. Um, And so that's kind of where I got my learning curve for, um, for how I'm actually, you know, printing my enclosures now. Cause I don't know if you got um, one of the clockwork multi-drivers yes. um, and you can see it's, it's printed over the edge of the enclosure, which is, is pretty cool. It's not, it's not easy to do and it's not always perfect. Um, at least, you know, the ones that I'm doing now are getting much, 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 much closer to, you know, replicable every single time, but you know, the early ones were all kinds of jacked up because you have to go at a, a certain speed. And like I said, you can't print when it's uh, right now, it's like 40 degrees in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't work all year round unless I find a way to heat the water. Um, and so I bought a bunch of, uh, aquarium water heaters to make the water a certain temperature. Um, I've got, I've got the weirdest setup to do it.
1: Uh, uh, you know, I had no idea that's how you were doing it, but I, I wondered because most people, uh, who use like a UV printer, which is kind of industry standard, they, they, a lot, depending on the printer, You can never get it to go over the edge like that. So I was like, huh, how did he do that? Like, that's interesting. Like, obviously, it wasn't a screen print. That wouldn't be easy to do either. So I've tried that, too. I've tried that, too. And I had a a local screen printer who
0: was motivated enough to try to see if he could print over the edge and then maybe rotate it 90 and print it again. It just wouldn't line up. Um, It took a a long time before I figured out how to do it. And if you see, um, if you Google HydroGraphics, uh, and you see how they print motorcycle parts, um, you know, motorcycle helmets and things like that. It's like a film, and you can, you can buy the film, um, and you can, you know, I'm giving away all my, my secrets, but if somebody really wants to figure out how to do it, please do. If you figure out a better way to do it, hit me up, and I'll, I'll pay you to teach me how to do it better. <laughs> um, there you go. But, you know, you, you float it on the surface, and the film kind of dissolves, but it really doesn't. It's kind of like a milky, um, and then if you go at a very slow speed, it won't distort the image over the corners. So um, I
1: just so, realized you know, realize that we've been talking about this quite a bit and I know what you're talking about, but a lot of people may not actually know anything about what you're talking about. So maybe we should back up a little bit and yeah, explain sure. exactly what a hydrographic is and what you're physically doing. Cause we haven't, we kind of glossed over all that.
0: Right. So you have a small container of water. Um, uh, my container is like two feet wide by maybe a foot and a half deep. Um, and it's got like a, it's got a frame around it because the water is really heavy and it pushes the sides out. Um, and then I have a little frame that I mount. Um, let's see, I have 11 by 17 is one size. You can buy pretty much any standard size paper. You can, you can either trim it to size or you can buy it in pre-printed sheets, which I've started doing. Um, from a hydrographics place and you you float this on the surface of water and the paper is made out of something that dissolves in water um but the ink stays behind so if you stiff your your fist in it it'll print onto your hands um and so okay. in in that way it'll wrap around whatever you dip into it um so you know i, I definitely recommend googling it It's probably going to do a better way of describing exactly what happens. The, the best thing I can think is if you start Googling for how they print the Ibanez gems, you'll get pretty close and get the idea for what I'm doing. Um, the, the difficult part is the corners, uh, because the corners, when you dip them in water, they create kind of like a low pressure zone and they kind of make a little whirlpool. Um, so you have to go at a certain speed so that it doesn't distort the image on the corners
1: it's uh, it's very it looks like uh i don't know if i my hands would be steady enough i feel like i would just blah, and it would just look like trash but i don't know i never <laughs> I've made tried it a, yeah i
0: have made a little jig to make it a little easier on me um and the jig has a little bit of weight to it so it's it's getting dipped at um more steadily than i could do with my hands and more accurately than i could do with my hands um but still it's so dependent on temperature and so dependent on you know, the quality of the paper that you get, um, you know, some places that you buy it from, it's just not the same. Um, again, it, it takes way, way, way more time than putting it in a UV printer and just cranking out hundreds. Um, so I'm, I'm probably not gonna be able to do it forever. It, there's no way that I could do it in much larger mass than I'm currently doing it, but I would like to keep them around as maybe special, uh, or maybe, um, like a premium, version um just because it is unique i don't really see anybody else doing anything like that
1: no i haven't i haven't either i've not i've not seen anybody doing or heard of anybody doing that really honestly that's a that's a first so that's cool because it's, Im- it's impractical that's why <laughs> <laughs> that's a good chance there's a good chance of that yeah they switched to the uv being the standard like quite a while ago i mean because it's very high quality and it's like you said much easier much easier, or not easier is probably not the right word, but much more efficient. That's probably the word. Yeah, there
0: are there are limits to what you can do. Um, you know, I have a printer that will print with white ink, um, and I thought that would be really cool because I could do a black enclosure with white graphics. But the white has some level of transparency to it, oh, so it's not. Yeah, so it's not like when you put it on top of black it disappears into the black. And so a lot of people ask for these you know, specific color palettes, and I say, I, I can't can't do it with my current way of printing that. So mm-hmm. there are some color combinations that are not doable, um, which is part of the reason why I like the white on black, or the black on white. Um, for one, it's very striking, and it makes the, the images really pop. Um, but also, I don't really see a whole lot of plain white petals out there. There's really yeah. not a, a bunch that do that.
1: Not a ton. Really, I mean, I'm trying to think of who comes to mind that has regularly done it, and only one other than yourself that immediately pops in my head is uh, Big Ear, but they do other colors too. Um, So so that's not even fully fully accurate. They definitely do white. I think they started with white. That maybe is why I'm thinking that. But I can't think of anybody else that that has made white their permanent thing, so maybe that's your thing. Everyone needs a thing. I'm going to stick with it because, like I said, I like it. Right on, man. Well, let's see. What else do we want to get into here? We've talked about, you know, we've talked about your musical preferences, but we haven't really talked about your guitar preferences. We had to spend sure. thirty minutes talking about conspiracy theories first.
0: <laughs> uh, I am a, I'm a single coil type of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, my, let's see. Last year for Nam, uh, Mjt was was kind enough to make us a, a guitar. Um, for our display. And I, maybe I'm a little old fashioned, but I, you know, I like a strat. Um, and I did find that a lot of people at NAM preferred a telecaster, maybe because it's Nashville or, um, but you know, I, I like a single coil. I like that it makes a little extra noise. It's just a little, it feels a little more real. You know, if you are used to playing with singles and, and you start playing with humbuckers and you go to record, you suddenly realize, wow, I didn't realize how much noise there was in the backgrounds. That is now gone um but then again you know i I don't play a lot of higher gain stuff um you know i play a lot of blues rock tile uh type of things and you know i do a little bit of ambient type of stuff but you know i don't play any really high gain stuff so i've never really gravitated towards humbuckers which i kind of get it kind of has that impression with it you know if you get an ibanez and they're kind of going away from that now with the fusion guys that are out there but You know, there's this impression that if you get something with humbuckers, it's going to be really, really high gain, and you're not going to get the cleans that you can, you know, out of a single coil. Um, But I don't really think it matters nowadays. There's there's definitely a difference between single coils and and P90s and uh, and humbuckers, but they're made so well now that in my in my number one Telecaster, um, I have one of the new Freedman. Uh, humbuckers. It's the mm-hmm. classic, classic plus or whatever. Uh, and man, it sounds fantastic. I love it. Um, so I'm, I'm starting to kind of convert Yeah, you know, I do a little bit of everything, you know, it, it's a little bit different for me and probably to a lot of other builders, because I want to hear what my stuff sounds like through, um, single coils. I want to hear what they sound like through P90s. I want to see what they sound like through a, a coil splittered humbucker. Just so I know that there's not one combination where it just doesn't work. Uh, and you know, it's the same for amps as well. You know, I, I do like tube amps. Um, I'm not really a fan of the modeling amps. Um, and it's not that it doesn't sound good. It just sounds different. So when I was at NAM last year, I used a combination of a, uh, a Personas preamp and the, uh, Nunaber Iconoclast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it sounded really good. Uh, and it was, you know, totally battery powered. Um, it was fantastic because I didn't have to worry about plugging into any of the jacks um, that were on the floor, um, and I could kind of move it around and shuffle it around. Didn't have to worry about it, um, but it sound it it just doesn't sound the same. Um, there's some pedals that work really well with it, you know, like fuzz. You're not really going to tell the difference because it, it it's garbling the signal enough that any difference in compression or any difference in fidelity is is minimal. But when you get something like um, you know, I have a low gain drive. It's called the Songbird. Uh, it sounds very different through um, a Class D amp than it does through a tube amp, uh, and it's because there's there's extra stuff going on, and that's that's there's no way around it. And like I said, it doesn't sound bad; it just sounds different.
1: For me, a lot of it is is the feel too. Like I, I you know I've played with almost all of the modeling like the modern like nice ones except for Axe Effects. I haven't played with that one yet and yeah. not for like extended lengths of time, you know, like just a little bit here and there. And for me, like I think I've, I've said this on the podcast a lot. Like if you plug, if you, if I recorded with it and then I recorded with the real deal that, that it was mimicking and then just listen to the two side by side, I, I wouldn't know. I don't think I could tell the difference in a, in a, yeah. in that. I agree with that. But But it's the feel thing. So I I just recorded, and I put this in Patreon last week. Um, Well, last week as I record this anyway. I I made a song, an intro song for another podcast. And I have all this stuff, but I was like kind of under a a bit of a time crunch. And so I just plugged right into my interface. And I never do that. Like That's sloppy. That's risky. I know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like whenever, like I never do that. Like I, I'm always, I like miking stuff up. I like doing it kind of the quote unquote old fashioned way, but you know what? It turned out really good. Like, and the client was happy with it. And it, it, I was able to do it a lot more efficiently and quicker because I needed a bunch of different tracks with a bunch of different styles. And I you know, had to produce a fully completed drum bass guitar you know everything Mm -hmm. song, and and i got done with it and i was like wow uh you know if i if somebody just showed me this and and didn't tell me anything about it i wouldn't know you wouldn't know
0: Mm -hmm. Uh so it's kind of the future you know every company now is coming out with cab simulators and amp simulators because there's fewer and fewer people playing out um you know there's there's fewer and fewer people that need nobody needs a hundred watt amp anymore But if you know how to use a 15 watt amp, it's more than you'll ever need. Uh, and if you know how to use the, the IRs, you know, I have a, um, I bought a two norts, uh, torpedo, Mm -hmm. the the live one, the rack mount one, um, so that I could keep using my Supro. I have a, I use a Supro Jupiter pretty much exclusively as my main amp. Um, and it's 65 Watts. It's loud. Oh yeah. Um, and you know, got got married, had kids, and I can't use it anymore. So I I bought this thing, and I record pretty much exclusively through the, the digital load box. And if you if you do it right out of the box, it does not sound correct. But if you're willing to play around with the IRs and you're willing to play around with the the internal miking uh, simulator and and the EQ, it sounds is very very convincing
1: yeah i i i mean like i said i really i i think my ears are a little bit sharper than your average joe's just because not because i have like a skill in it but just good job yeah i just yeah exactly i i pay such close attention to it uh you know i i know some people with super ears i don't have that i definitely don't but i'm just kind of tuned in a little bit and uh I just don't think I, things are just really good now. The digital emulations are just really, really good. I even remember the first time Keely come on a couple of years ago uh, and we were t- discussing this and he's like, yeah, but analog dirt is still where it's at. And I still agree with that. But and they, they've gotten really good. They've gotten a lot better than they were in, in uh, 2015. So,
0: oh, yeah, one one thousand percent. Analog dirt is the way to go there the only good digital breakup that I've ever heard is through these new, these new class D amps. And I actually bought one of the little boss, um, I mean, what's it called? The little Katana mini. I bought it because it was, it was like 89 bucks on, on reverb used and I I had to try it and the distortion in that sounds fantastic. Um, but it's, it is not the same. Not all, not all distortion is created equal. Uh, definitely And digital distortion has a long way to go. It just, it doesn't feel real.
1: Yeah. And I think people who don't play would call us like crazy, but I, (laughs) I, I really do think that I, I do. I think that's one of the biggest downfalls with the, like the helix. Like if I think you still like kind of need the, the analog dirt pedals to make that thing do reach its full potential. And that's just my opinion. You you do, Yeah, Uh,
0: you definitely do it. It just—I can't describe it any other way other than it just doesn't feel correct. Yeah. Um, it, the the clipping is weird because you have a now you have a digital ceiling as opposed to having no ceiling. Um, you know, with analog, with analog dirt, there, there there is a much higher potential for for maximum headroom than there is in in digital, um, and it's because of of bandwidth. You know, there's right. only so much processing you can do. In a digital space, um, it's the exact same thing. The best comparison I can find is a digital univibe versus an analog univibe. There oh, are man. there are digital limitations to making that super high peak and that super low trough um, that that are the uh, sought after univibes. and it's the exact same thing. It's it's the exact same type of signal as a distorted signal. It's just a much smoother. Roller coaster like curve.
1: That's a that is a really good example, especially with that type of effect. And you know, one of the things that is really interesting, and I I don't know what this says. I, well, I'm not sure what 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 I'm where I'm going with this line of thinking. But di- I don't know if you saw <laughs> that at uh, Neural DSP. They came out with their basically their very high end like Helix competitor. Did you see that?
0: Yeah, yeah, I have seen that. They just, just showed a lot the, of, all those new things that are coming out that have a bunch of really neat features that I would love to get my hands
1: on, but I, I haven't tried one of those of you. I have not tried one of those. I don't even think they're technically out yet. I think they just were out for pre-order. Um, I could okay. be wrong. They might have had them at NAM. I'm not 100% sure. I'm honestly haven't paid that close of attention, but it is it's interesting. You know, it's interesting to see a company like that that's not as big as LINE 6, you know, to throw the, their hat in the ring and, and do heavy development in that kind of product because it takes a lot of time and money to make something like that. But I was interested, in they showed the guts of it the other day, and if my memory is serving correctly, it's a dual Shark platform. I, for some reason, had it in my head that it would be something even crazier. Uh, I know Shark is a very powerful DSP processing chip, Mm-hmm. But it's so been around, very for, industry standard. Yeah, yeah, it's been around for a while. So I was, I was actually surprised. I thought I kind of had it in my head that it was probably going to be something else, something I wasn't familiar I think, with.
0: I, I see a lot of shark stuff. I see a lot of ARM stuff. I still see a lot of FV one stuff, um, and those are really your main DSP platforms. And I really think the reason is price. You can make some incredible stuff with these. new microprocessors that are out there but they're expensive and they're and you're going to put one in every single product you make i mean that's a lot of hardware to commit to you know you get into also if you're going to have these manufactured you get to some of these you know 100 plus pin placement pieces you need a machine to do that it'd be too hard for you or i to do it you know with our hands
1: oh for sure i mean and I think that's probably the way to go with most SMT stuff. Not that it can't be done by hand, but it just isn't. Oh really- no, no, it can. It was how, how motivated are you to try? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, I'm I'm still blown away that uh, doctor scientists. They, uh, I don't know if you've ever taken a peek inside the atmosphere. That's yeah. all SMT, and they do it all by hand. Those crazy. They Canadians. do it all by hands.
0: I'm like mm-hmm. Ugh. Yeah, another another crazy Canadian is a uh, you know Steve Demidash is still doing all his stuff by hands. And mm-hmm. he's got some very high component count stuff. Um, y- you know, there's the argument against uh, SMT versus the through hole stuff. And from a, from a scientific perspective, if you want the, the shortest, uh, s- uh, the least amount of signal loss, SMT is the way to do it. I don't care what, what you say or how much mojo is in those giant capacitors that you have in your old um, fuzz face or whatever. But the shorter you make that line from your, from your guitar cable to your amp, the higher the fidelity of your signal. And when you are mounting things directly to the board, it's, it cuts out several inches, which is not like it matters. You know, If you have like 30 or 40 feet, maybe it makes a difference. But when you're talking about cutting you know, five or six inches of signal out of, out of the entirety of the whole circuit, it's not really that much.
1: Well then, to top it off, just the, the amount of components that are available in through hole is dwindling every year. It's it's yes. just not it's it, at some point and I don't it's not going to be for a very long time, but at some point it's just not going to be feasible. It's just oh, not, if you are getting
0: know. if you're getting into modding today, good luck. Um because if you open up the back of a um any boss pedal post 2016-2017, they're all completely SMT. Some have multiple boards. Uh, there's a lot more learning to do than there used to be.
1: It's, it's, it's just the way things are. I mean, electronics manufacturing has progressed and, you know, we can say that they're not as good if, if you want, but I don't, I don't think in most cases that's necessarily true. I, I really I don't. People need to remember. Yeah. Just need to remember that technology doesn't get worse every year, you know, right. It's, it's getting better. <laughs> That is a very good way to put it. I just noticed what time it is, and we better get into some of these uh, classic questions. and uh, yeah, sure. we we'll talk some out. So before we get uh, get into that, how about you can put up a billboard and say whatever you want.
0: Sure. Um, coming out with some new stuff this year. Uh, you know, Keep an eye on us on Instagram. That's where I'm most active. Um, we are coming up on 5,000 followers on Instagram. So, you know, definitely keep an eye out because we're going to do something special when that happens. Um, check us out on YouTube. Check us out on Instagram. Check out our websites. Um, subscribe to our newsletter because there's going to be some special stuff coming out there pretty soon.
1: All right. That works. When where can they find you on the internet other than Instagram?
0: Sure. Uh, ToneTugaEffects.com uh, is our website. You can also find us on Reverb, Uh, you know, just search for for the company name, Tone Tuga FX. YouTube, I don't have my own YouTube channel. I I leave that to the professionals. Uh, Again, just search for the name and and you'll find our stuff.
1: All right, there you go. Perfect. All right, here we go. So first of the last two questions, what is your favorite Boss pedal? Ooh. um,
0: Can I pick the GE7? The EQ pedal, I think you can.
1: I think you can. Best,
0: mo- most useful pedal, even more than the than the tuner, <laughs> the EQ pedal. All
1: right, I think I think that's the first time anyone's picked the EQ pedal. I get the it's a classic. I get the tuner quite a bit. Usually, when I get the tuner, the person's like, "That's boring, though." So let me think of something else. But a lot of people <laughs> go go with the tuner.
0: The pedal I've owned the longest. The the One of the first two pedals I bought was the Boss Chromatic Tuner, and I, that's the only
1: pedal that I still have. So that's very old. Hey, if it ain't broke, you know, don't yeah. fix it. All right, and for the classic question, what kind of pizza do you like?
0: Oh, man. Uh, you know, I'm kind of a simple guy. I like pepperoni. You
1: can't go wrong with pepperoni. Keep it
0: classic. Keep it classic. I like flatbread, though, or like thin crust. Sorry.
1: Okay, gotcha. I'm with you on that. That's probably like when I have a pizza craving, that's most likely what I'm wanting is a thin crust pepperoni pizza. Maybe, maybe, maybe a cheese, but who knows? You know, you can eat a, you can eat a
0: thousand small Reese's cups, but you can only eat a few of the full size ones, Mm -hmm. you know? It's true. So I think the thin crust pizza is kind of like mini version of
1: pizza. And it's just the pack more. (laughs) <laughs> and this the texture's just right you know what i mean like it just it just works agreed all right man well thanks so much for coming on and uh i think we're gonna jump over to patreon here for a little bit so yeah know. sure thing
0: definitely enjoyed it thanks so much for having me on and
1: um you know hit me up in the future all right right, will do all right everybody for michael this is blake and as always folks good luck and good tones
0: chimpanzees got it figured out
1: all right, that was wonderful. I quite enjoyed talking with that man. He is a delight of a person. Go check out all of his pedals and stuff. It's really good. That clockwork overdriver, I'm not lying. That thing sounds super good. I really like it a lot. It's a good, good pedal. So, yes, let's see. Do we have anything else to wrap this episode up with? Oh, well, as always, share it with a friend. Share it with a friend. Share it with you, anybody that you run into that might be a guitar player, might be a guitar nerd, and enjoy this kind of content, this is uh, this is the way to do it. This is the way to spread the love. This is the way we uh, grow the show, and at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. So yes, if you could please share this with somebody, that would mean the world to me. In fact, it means the world to me that you are still hearing this right now, because there is a lot of other things you could be listening to. And with that in mind, why don't you get to listening to them? There's a lot of songs out there. There's a lot of podcasts out there. Go check them out